welcome to the Nerd Party. Want to be part of the Nerd Party community? Don't forget to like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash thenerdparty and follow us on Twitter at JoinNerdParty. You can also help us by leaving a rating and comment in Apple Podcasts to help spread time and space to other listeners. If you want to contact us, visit thenerdparty.com slash contact and leave a comment for us there. Space, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her husband and co-host, Philip Gilfus. Happy September! So what are we talking about? Well, it's the ninth month. So we're talking about, let me guess, Christopher Eccleson and his one series of Doctor Who. Well, you'd be almost right. We are certainly going to talk about the ninth Doctor. However, there are two of them. What? I know, I know, it's crazy talk. But before Christopher Eccleston, there was Richard E. Grant, also the ninth Doctor. So it is not just the first Doctor who gets reincarnated as the first Doctor, and sometimes we never mention it again. It's all very exciting, and I—I'll be honest. I don't know what the—I don't know what numbers we're up to now. <laughs> I don't know. Jodie Whittaker is like the seventy-eighth Doctor <laughs> officially, perhaps. All right. We'll also be talking about in our Inside the Tardis Library segment the BBC docudrama A Royal Scandal, starring Richard E. Grant, the Ninth Doctor himself, as the Prince of Wales. And the King of England. Exactly. Spoilers. <laughs> Hashtag spoilers. I mean, the movie came out when? The movie's old. The movie came out in 1997. I feel like we're good And the for... incident happened 200 plus years and ago. And the incident happened 200 years ago. And it's generally understood that the Crown Prince, the Prince of Wales, eventually does become King of England. Tell that to Prince Arthur. Wait. <laughs> Wait. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Poor Prince Arthur. Still. Yep. Never mind. Right. So we are talking this week about Richard E. Grant and Scream of the Shalka. This is the animated Doctor Who, which, uh, you know, is different, but it also came on a unique platform. The interwebs. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. Are we, are we going to talk about the nascent interwebs during this time? Yes, this was sort of an interesting thing. I, this is the thing I like about Doctor Who Universe. You know, you think it's just a bunch of numbered doctors and you're good to go. But no. But There's so no. many hidden corners to this fandom. <laughs> there really are. I think that's been a real delight, is discovering all the hidden corners and... Yeah, the, the nooks and or the crannies. Yeah, so we did watch it on DVD, but of course it originally was on, in premiered in November and December of 2003 as a webcast on what was then called, that week, <laughs> yes, BBCI, uh, the BBC website, and uh, that was the Ninth Doctor, it was the 40th anniversary, and this was the only Doctor Who we were going to get. Yes, that was the expectation, was that Doctor Who wasn't coming back, BBC wasn't interested in bringing him back, it was the 40th anniversary, so fans, people who are doing other things, are keen to do something to to recognize the anniversary, so this is what they decided to do. And they originally wanted to do, what, like 12, 16 episodes, something like that. Exactly. And that didn't happen. Hashtag spoilers. But, yeah, but, the, but that scrappy uh, little group of, of uh, dreamers called the BBC... <laughs> 
said no. So, but let's let's get into the the nuts and bolts before we get to the behind the scenes. So, okay. would you like to read the synopsis of Scream of the Shaka? Very much so. The Doctor's TARDIS materializes in the village of Lanet in Lancashire. An annoyed doctor, who has apparently been transported here against his will, finds the village silent. Its inhabitants are all living in fear, except for a barmaid, Alison Cheney. The alien Shalka have taken up residence beneath Lanet in preparation for a wider invasion. Despite his initial reluctance, the doctor finds himself having to save the world again, aided by Allison and an enemy who has become an ally. Wow. So Richard E. Grant as the doctor. Number nine. What did you think? Yeah. So we can talk about the character in a second, but just him himself. Himself. Okay. No, I mean, it's, it's, I I say just voice. I don't want to diminish voice acting, but. No, no, not at all. Um, especially after we watched some of the, um, backstage shenanigans i think he would have been a very interesting doctor it's difficult because i think the writing at least in the very beginning he's just kind of moody (laughs) he's just like i don't want to be here i want this kind of wine you don't seem to have it that's stupid Earth stupid. Earth stupid. Humans are stupid. Humans are stupid. I would like to leave. Oh wait, where's my TARDIS? Right. Um, so yeah, he seems he seems rather surly in the beginning. Now it does <clears throat> it does seem to take on a little bit more. Um, the character becomes a little more fleshed out, I think. And again, I think he'd make a very interesting doctor. I think that Richard E. Grant's wheelhouse is dry and dark is not the right word disinterested right he because he, he, oh, i'm trying you know more about him than i do but he rarely is a hero um, but very often an anti-hero exactly. i found myself actually thinking that um if the marvel movies had come out 20 years ago he would have, he has Loki written all over him. Uh-huh. You know, that right. sort of broody, moody, petulant, mm-hmm. without yeah, uh, entitled. Mm-hmm. He's got he the all of that is is Richard E. Grant's wheelhouse. And right. I don't think that's him at all. Mm-hmm. As indicated, was it the Academy Awards that he made the video for? He was just so chuffed he'd been nominated and that was the <laughs> cutest thing ever. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's his personality, but I do think that to an extent mm-hmm. he has been pigeonholed in that he does that well. And they, the the interesting thing about this animation, and I don't know, I'm always forgiving of animation. So yes, it's a little odd looking, but whatever. It's what the BBC could do in this time and in that era with that technology. So I, I have no problem with the animation. I can go past it. But I thought it was interesting that the animators, um, whether lack of imagination or um, or to make it easier for the characters, it could be either one, uh, decided to stick to animating most of the actors as they look. Mm. You know, except for the show, because I assume the woman did not look like that. But no, anyway. she didn't. We saw a picture of her in the backstage <laughs> shenanigans. So yeah, is... and actually they said, and I know we're going to talk more about this later, but they said that the animators were there during the recordings. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people would, you know, are doing their their thing. They are emoting into a microphone, as you and I do so frequently um and they'd look out of the corner of their eye and some guys just sitting there sketching them <laughs> which has got to be a little disconcerting and it's got to be quite difficult to to tamp down the urge to say things like draw me like one of your french girls um which is what i would do so this ninth doctor <laughs> shirt off <laughs> never mind looks richard e grant-esque ish yeah. he is very and this is word I mean, that, that, I was thinking this anyway before I saw it on the behind the scenes, but he does look very vampiric. Yes. Uh, as yeah. this doctor. And older. Yes. And he's sort of, I don't know how to describe the dress, but, you know, it suggests the Dracula, not 100%, but, you know, there is a cape at some point, I think. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's not 
again, completely out of the realm of Doctor Who possibility, yeah. see it's, John Pertwee. I was going to say, it is third <laughs> yeah. Doctor-esque. Not as colorful, but it's yeah. sort of in that yeah. cut. Um, and but yes, I mean, just generally <laughs> quite dark. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's purposeful, because one thing, and we'll get into this eventually, but like, there suggest a backstory... Which is, you know, a good way to introduce a new Doctor. Mm. Yeah. Sort of like the Eccleston Ninth Doctor, which I, I from now on will always have to make that distinction. Yeah. That, you know, with the Time War. Uh, but with this Doctor, with the Grant Doctor, there's a lot, of, there's maybe a suggestion of, and I, I'm reading into this, so this is not necessarily 100% what was there, but what I'm reading into it is that there was a past companion who he lost. Yes, he there, seems there to be is like reference a, to, well, and I, I'll be honest, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure, and so... It didn't come back to it, but I almost got the impression that they'd done this before, mm-hmm. this entire experience with Allison, with this particular town, and it had failed. Uh-huh. That was what was in oh, my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that he had lost Allison at some point. And again, as you say, there's no necessary indication of this. And, you know, we're talking about it being dark like New Who isn't mm-hmm. quite dark. I mean, right. I think New Who is much darker most of the time than classic Who. Mm-hmm. And so you also have the this great the introduction of the Ninth Doctor that's sort of this uh, reluctance. And it's interesting because, again, the, there's no explanation, which is fine, because I think, of course, you know, had there been more. But anyway... Uh, of, you know, oh, I don't want to be here. But, like, who's sending him? Is it... Because it, for a long time, my first interpretation is that he was talking about the TARDIS itself. Yes. Or herself, I suppose. Yeah. Is it genders? Um, because that's generally hinted at in New Who, uh-huh. that the TARDIS sends you where you need to go. Um, doing some other research for this, what you know, little research I ever do, but some thought maybe he's on a mission by the Time Lord. Well, and that... Uh, the further into it that mm-hmm. this got, it did sound like, yeah, and then that was <laughs> that that someone outside the TARDIS had sent him, and that the obvious assumption is the Time Lords, because they did that sort of thing, mm-hmm. particularly in classic Who. So, but all that suggests us to the the actual character and personality of the Ninth Doctor. They mentioned in some of the background we watched that one of the producers suggested, you know, it's very. Uh, you know, beginner's level suggestion, but nevertheless, there's a reason why um, that this doctor should have a journey um, as a character in this episode, uh, which is, uh, you know, sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't in classic Who. But anyway, so that we have this dark introduction, so at the end, we do have a doctor who's more in his skin, you know, ride him cowboy or whatever he says, ride him big one, um, or yelling at the top of his lungs or whatever, you know, starting to see that Life humor. Is a cabaret. Exactly. <clears throat> You know, practicing his singing and all that. Um, and so you sort of see him stretch those proverbial uh, legs and inhabit that character a little bit more by the end of it. And, you know, now accepting a companion and looking yes. forward to... And and I agree with all of that. Mm-hmm. I just don't think the problem with that in this particular thing is that we didn't know where he was coming from. Right. We just knew he was moody. Mm-hmm. And so then we're pleasantly surprised when mm-hmm. by the end of it he's singing show tunes mm-hmm. but we still don't understand what exactly point a was so it's then hard to understand the journey from point a to point b right yeah but i mean it sort of intrigued me I and mean, i guess i knew there wasn't any more but intrigued me that there could be more and then we yes. find out you know yes absolutely and i think that's that's the issue isn't it that mm-hmm. that this was prematurely <laughs> well, we'll get to it. Halted. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so let's talk about some of the characters. We don't have to talk about all yes. of them. But anyway, so Allison is the uh, sort of companion um, and played by Sophie Okanito. O- That's uh, what I'm going with. Yeah. Who would, of course, also be in Doctor Who uh, as a companion of types later uh, with the 11th Doctor playing Liz Ten. But, but and I want credit for that because I was like, "That is a familiar <laughs> voice to me." The the cartoon I don't recognize, <laughs> but it's a familiar voice. And then, of course, you know, seeing seeing her later in the backstage shenanigans, she's so much, or uh, probably not so much younger. I mean, right. she's a 
you know, it's been 20 several, years. Several years, but from <laughs> yeah. going from the time oh, she played Liz 15 10, years, maybe 10 years. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I wouldn't even go that far because no. that's, you know, 2003. But anyway. Yes. Anyway, she, uh, she was younger than... I was expecting. Oh, okay. I guess. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was. She. I thought she was. Uh, <clears throat> definitely brought a lot to the the companion, Allison. I thought was mm. interesting. She had given up studying. What was it literature or history? History. Yeah, yes. To be with a boy. Oh, yeah, isn't and that always the tale. I, but I, I had a little bit of a problem with that right. because he was clearly a doctor. Yes. And so he wanted her to give up her college education. Maybe to move there. I don't know. I guess that they're, it, I mean, it just yeah. that, that they didn't seem very happy. I bu- no, yes. absolutely. But I bumped on that a little bit because mm-hmm. that doesn't seem like something, someone who has that much education mm-hmm. is not then going to be like, Hey, I love you. Stop getting education and work in a bar. Right. And I'm going to be satisfied with that. Mm-hmm. It's not like they were engaged either. So, I mean, I know relationships can be different and don't necessarily have to lead to marriage, but it was like, also like, you know, I moved to my, we had to. I had to give it up because of him. Why? Yeah. How much love was there? Not much by the end of it. Yeah. I, I did. I mean, you know, you sort of often get the the new who trope of the companion having to leave their family or boyfriend or wedding um, to join the doctor. <laughs> Whereas this one, she's like on the on at the beginning, like I'm really not happy or or committed to this. So it's if I leave, it's not a deal breaker. No one's gonna get hurt. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She says goodbye to him, but. Yeah, she doesn't really care. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it is this sort of moment of, you know, I'm going to go traveling with the doctor, um, and then he's going to drop me off at my mom's, and then the doctor's like, yeah, she might even already be there. Why don't you call her mom and find out? And then she wasn't? Yeah, that was a weird moment, because it it seemed to me what I got from it, and that's just me, is that she died or something oh, because okay. it's almost like oh if, you know because if if she comes back then she'll be there but she didn't answer and there's something like oh i guess we but know not how it turns time. out she could come back you know she might have showed up right after he got off the phone yeah i did find it interesting that he did call yeah which suggested um, we'll pick this up when i get back kind of thing i don't know yeah, and yeah, it was a little off. But, I have a lot of questions. Yeah, but she was fairly, you know, considering. Uh, well, I don't know if they re- answered why she was chosen by the Shaka. I don't need to, um, just because she's the main character. It works for me. But um, you know, to she, have the worm in her head. Yeah, because it's uh, well, also why was she the only one who saw the Shaka? Because never no one mm. would, would see them. Uh, but the companions, is spe- it's very new saying. who. Yeah. It's very new who. They're always special. Oh, we're going to find out what uh, makes true. this one special later on. That's right. Always a mystery. Yeah. So, but yeah, but she's... Although, to be honest, very eighth Doctor Big Finish. That's true. As well, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, she, she definitely, with all the craziness, she was still more than capable and was certainly the one with the bravest of her village and all that. So, yeah, I thought she would have been an interesting companion to follow. And I guess, um, as far as I know, that really now the f- real first black companion. So Yeah. So, sorry, Martha. Now you're the second. <laughs> but, anyway. So, um, next we have a very curious character. Yes. the Who actually came across as the Ninth Doctor's actual companion before mm-hmm. Allison came along. Yeah. And that's the Master. Yep. Now, they said his name mm-hmm. in the backstage shenanigans, and I was like, oh, that's how you pronounce it. I'll remember it. And I did not. <laughs> yes, played by Derek Jacoby, who also played the master in Doctor Who. So he played the master before he played the master. Okay. Which automatically makes it canon? I guess. Because then I have to wonder, and and maybe this has already been discussed, but I'm like, you know, did Russell, is that why, I mean, it's Derek Jack, I think you just cast Derek Jack, if you can cast yeah. Derek Jack. If he rocks up and is like, yeah, yeah I can do it, <laughs> you're like, okay, no matter what the part is. But it was just, it was, what, just for a two-episode run, um, or two-parted, as the Professor Yanni, or whatever he was called, and then the Master. But I mean, was that sort of like, we want to bring the Master back, let's play, cast the last guy who technically played the Master? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, aside from the fact that this is technically non-canon or whatever, mm-hmm. sort of played the master. 
because the master in this is definitely not actually the master. Right. He's Robo Master. Yep. Definitely a robot. Um, which, where's the story? I mean, I guess the story is the doctor built him, but that's a story in and of itself. Yes. And it also seems to have some of the master's soul or something because yeah, the mass programs because the android the master is like i'll get you my pretty <laughs> you know he's still quite nefarious. and then the doctor shows up and he's like i get you some tea i mean uh, <laughs> yeah yeah um also, so that's a story that needed more explanation and probably would have gotten it and i don't know maybe if it weren't for that pesky bbc <laughs> mm. maybe i read way too much into it but like there was a part when they, I think the doctor was calling the TARDIS, and if I remember this correctly, and the master, Robo Master was there, um, at the TARDIS, and so the voicemail picks up, and it's the message that the doctor has on his phone, and it sounds like, and I don't know, that he's basically sort of having us a, a tickle fight or something with the master, because he's laughing a lot, and, and I'm like... Starting to read probably too much into this relationship that I should, but it's a direction they seem to be going in. Yeah, okay. What did we build this robot for exactly? <laughs> I think it has to be. <laughs> Sorry, all sorts of things uh, went into my head. <laughs> doesn't bear. <laughs> and then the doctor just has this weird thing about the master he's been harboring the whole time, which maybe explains a whole lot, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. And then, because then... Shield Brothers. Because <laughs> then this sort of... Achilles style. This thought of having... Because, I mean, stuff that we've explored previously with um, uh, with Richard talking about in his video um, that we talked about last month with the Eighth Doctor about people imagining this whole different idea of the Doctor and Master being... Um, brothers, which has been talked about before, mm. um, you know, potentially with the third doctor and all that. But anyway, but now again, exploring this sort of that they belong together, traveling, you know, the master literally as the companion, which has, you know, not always been. And then you sort of have all the way up to the 12th doctor with uh, Missy playing his, I mean, companion may be the wrong word, but, you know, traveling together, even, albeit briefly. So it, it sort of seems this push to, even though it's supposed to be the villain, you know, comes full circle to just be. A fellow companion. Yeah, and it's clear, at least in New Who, I would say almost throughout, that there's a tremendous amount of history between the Master and the Doctor Mm -hmm. that we've only gotten glimpses of. So, schoolmates, brothers... Uh, shield brother you know whatever whatever that history is there's something we just haven't gotten all the details and i think you know the nice thing about that is that it leaves it open for other other iterations to fill in some blanks and that's always fun i just thought it was interesting though that the master seemed to be the comic relief like he from an american perspective He's like the English butler <laughs> making snide remarks. Alfred. You know, or, or even like, uh, yeah, on Fresh Prince. Um, <laughs> right. You know, like. You just, <laughs> Speaking of Doctor Who people. Or the nanny. I know, like, I know. I'm, this, like, it's, again, it's an American trope of having the, the, the English butler. Mr. Belvedere. You know, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's such a, and people who don't know that the, the, if the, this is an American sitcom trope, most, mostly yes. in the 80s and yes, early 90s, of having so. the. The British butler or whatever who's there just as to make snide remarks. Um, Disdainful. Yeah, exactly. And so that seemed to be the master's role in this was... Yeah. I mean, he would occasionally press buttons too, but yes. Yeah. And save the day. Yeah, kinda. and then at one point, the doctor took his face or yep. took his face down. <laughs> yeah. So yes. All right. Good times. Some other quick characters here. Um, Major Kennett, not totally being the brigadier at all in any way, shape, or form, <laughs> um, played by Jim Norton. I thought that was an interesting character um, with his comic sergeant sidekick. Yep. Again, not the brigadier in unit at all. No. Just happens to be a totally other leader of the military who... And uh, his quirky sidekick. Exactly. Yeah, that was... It was... I mean, I, no complaints, but that was that sergeant did have some weird comic moments. Yeah. So, whatever. It worked, but it was... It was fine. It was fine. Um, and then a very important part. Yes. Uh, caretaker number, number one. Two. Oh, number was it, two. Was it two? Yeah. Okay. 
Because they'd already cast Caretaker number one, and that was supposed to be Caretaker all by himself. (laughs) Full stop. And then this particular person was also doing some work next door and was desperate to be on Doctor Who. Yes. And so they created the role of Caretaker number two, gave him about three lines, and they were admirably performed by... David Tennant. Yes. So, yes, yes. I mean, he's, he's, I, I just think it's funny, you know, he's such this Doctor Who fanboy who became the Doctor, but yes, in, you know, 2002 or three, whenever they recorded this, um, yes. Oh, you're doing Doctor Who? <laughs> I love Doctor <laughs> Who. I've always wanted to be a Doctor. Please, can I come record I will some be lives? caretaker number one if I can be in Doctor Who. <laughs> number two. That's right. And then I can say, I've been in Doctor Who. <laughs> hey, up. Tick. Yep. And then uh, good to go. <laughs> Going at the top of my CV, yo. <laughs> um, and then we had the Schalke. I guess Schalke Prime was sort of the credit was Diana Quick. And then I think, uh, judging by the background um, extras we saw, everyone else played the Schalke, just screaming. Oh, that was the people. Yeah, that was the like people I said, just of the everyone. Town, but yeah. yeah, but they were the ones who were screaming as well. I guess. Yeah. So. Right. That was a. Uh, the, that was a. a uh, it wasn't overly so, but it was a very irritating uh, villain. I'm like, please stop screaming. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Please stop screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, it's supposed to be, but yeah, please stop. Yeah, please stop. Yeah. Um, so, six episodes? Oh, God. Okay. So, the actual story uh, by Paul Cornell himself, Doctor Who writer, many a Doctor Who story, mm-hmm. um, both book and episode. He's quirky, isn't he? He is Doctor Whoey. He is totally <laughs> Doctor Whoey. Um, but anyway, so the actual plot, which we've talked about a little bit, but what did you think about the story itself? Um, and again, they talked about this a little bit in the backstage shenanigans, but it was pacier than classic Who, yeah. which I appreciated. I don't even know. what's the What was the actual running time from beginning to end? I don't know. So it was six episodes and sort of a, um, a, a feel of classic Who, and mm. it is 78 minutes approximately. So you know. okay, I mean it. It went, which is short. It galloped a pace. For six episodes, yeah, yeah. And you know, because this was sort of on the web, um, so you know, webisodes are usually oh yeah. Shorter. So and at that point, it probably took about five hours yeah, to actually buffer. stream it. Yeah, <laughs> the buffer to run. But yeah, the because the, I, I, it's also very. Well, I mean, like to compare it to the Thirteenth Doctor, you know, appears in a small town mm. where there's stuff happening. And you know, you meet the locals. You, you save the the local. Pl- of course, this isn't this. The, you know, the story ended up going global, um, so it's a little bit different. But mm. yeah, so but at least you start small and then you go big. So like in the first two or three or four episodes, it was just the town, but then it went the world. So uh, you raise the stakes there by then. So yeah, yeah. Like I said, quite dark, mm-hmm. quite different. It had a different feel. I'd really love to know the reception of it at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd love to know what Doctor Who fans thought about it. It's interesting because it seems like a lot of times when we listen or watch or whatever to these things, and usually we're listening to Doctor Who fans react. And so, you know, I don't know what the non or the casual fan, we usually it's the diehards we're getting back. But the response often seems to be like, it's not perfect, but it's Doctor Who, so we are here for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sort of assuming that the casual fan wasn't exposed to it. Right. Uh, because it was on the interwebs. Right. Um, and so you sort of had to go, I mean, people could stumble upon it, but considering how long Doctor Who had been out of the telly world, right. I feel like, you know, most of the people watching this would have been much more... That you certainly wouldn't have brought in new fans via this medium. Yeah, and, and also be, without knowing what it actually looked like. For instance, you know, we watched it because for some reason the DVD wasn't working on our uh, DVD player. I watched it on the laptop, but you know, so as you would normally anything, you know. But on the actual way, like how big was the actual screen? Yeah, that you would have that it would have offered, you know, and. All that. But just thinking about, you know, so assuming that the person who stumbles upon or yeah. gets to this, the person who is watching this, is somebody who's familiar with Doctor Who. Right. 
Um, so presumably has seen the film by this point. Uh, you know, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, and has seen classic film at le or classic who, who yeah. Yeah. um, at least Sylvester McCoy. Right. And so going from Sylvester McCoy to potentially Paul McGann, presumably Paul McGann, mm-hmm. then to this, I just wonder. And to me, it's interesting that they did go with the ninth doctor because, um, you know, they could, I mean, they didn't and no reason to have. But they could have just said, like, oh, Ace Doctor, that doesn't count. We're just going to make him the Eighth Doctor, you know? Or they could have gone with Paul McGann. Yeah. So, but it's interesting that they just wanted a a new Doctor, a Doctor Who's coming back in web form. They were like, right, should we go with Withnail or I? (laughs) And ultimately they decided with Withnail instead of I. There you go. These things happen. These things happen. So, one thing I was thinking of when it first started, because I mean... I think I grew on this. I mean, I wasn't hating it by any means when it started, but I was like, okay, well, it's different. I'll go with it. But at the beginning, I was like, was this just big finish with pictures? Mm. Um, Because it did seem like a lot of audio stuff. I was like, I could probably just close my eyes and just be a big finish convention. Yes, and then I extrapolated that to, or... Big Finish could do a web series, an animated <laughs> web series, because I did exactly the same thing in the opposite direction. I was like, why don't the Big Finish, you know, because we talk about how one of the benefits of Big Finish is that they can have all of these crazy ideas that'd be really hard to stage or be really expensive to stage. They could totally do the animation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe that's the thing they need to, the next step for Big Finish is... Mm-hmm. Adding pictures <laughs> makes it harder to listen to in the car, right? But not impossible. Yes, depending on how well you know your route. Well, you know, once you get that Tesla and then you just set it to <laughs> yeah. drive itself. But, um, but any other thoughts about the story itself before we go background or back stage shenanigans? Um, you've got the down horror versus sci-fi versus fantasy. Yeah, where do you think this falls down? Sci-fi. Because I, I think it's very interesting, the beginning where it starts, this sort of uh, almost, well, it is a little weird as far as, because they have this sort of prologue, um, which honestly, I think you could have just done without, really. Because they're like, oh, there's a meteor, worms. Yeah, that uh, was weird. They never came back. I'd forgotten about it. Because yeah. they never came back to it. And there was the weird guy, and then the regular guy, and they were looking for something, and then all of a sudden the meteor comes down. Yeah, that was weird. I think you could have just started with yeah, the Yeah, you totally could have done without that. Lost anything. Yeah. Um, I sort of was thinking horror, um, partly because they killed that old lady. Yeah. But just the whole... The town has to be quiet because of some unknown reason yeah. that lurks below. Yeah, and so it's very like, Lovecraft-esque. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not discounting horror completely. I am discounting fantasy completely, sure. I think. And then you just have the uh, black hole that's just there, black hole. And so, you know. These things happen. Serves well to dump the villain in at the end. Spoilers. Yep. Backstage extras, yeah. or shenanigans, as yeah. I like to call them. I have to say, because I didn't really look, I, I just, you know, was getting this just to get it. But there, there was actually some really decent uh, extras on this. Mm. Um, and so it, it, there's the, I'll just read straight from the DVD here. Um, the extras were uh, the Screaming Sessions, um, and then they have Interweb of Fear, um, and then they have... Carry on screaming, and that's just basically yeah. They just went with the yeah. Yeah, that doesn't necessarily tell you a whole lot about it. Although I have to be honest, I found the interweb stuff really interesting. Yeah, because I thought like oh, this is going to be the boring one talking about the no. evolution of BBC website. But yes, yeah, really and the fact that BBC. I mean, they talked to the guy who invented iPlayer. iPlayer. Mm-hmm. Because he was going through a divorce, which I found fantastic. I'll be honest, when I went through a divorce, I just drank a lot. <laughs> um, but whatevs. It, but, you know, different strokes for different folks. <laughs> you could have invented the beer handle to put right. on your bottle. Yes. So. <laughs> we totally have seen that they've done that. Anyway. Yes. But yeah, just the evolution, you know, early on into the interwebs adventure, BBC went ahead and bought their domain and two. had two domains. Because they had BBC Worldwide oh, and then yeah, the BBC, yeah, yeah, and uh, bless. So anyway, they 
they were sort of had their boots on the ground really early on and then the evolution of it and it kept changing names um so yeah that was just really interesting and of course it's still it's still very much you know the iPlayer and uh that's that's how you go on and and watch BBC episodes that you missed it's great I love it also the the whole talk about how the BBC or on the website the cult site which mm. um in, in america would not translate the same way i don't think but anyway uh basically their nerd site was what i would call it but um where they just had you know buffy and doctor who and blake seven and red dwarf and blah 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 the bbc offerings and so i just thought that was interesting where that sort of community nerd community i'm calling it that nerd community lived and thrived and was very much a forum for people to talk about things mm-hmm. Until people got really nasty. Which, uh, you know, welcome. And, yeah. so, and thus the internet was born. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, which is a shame, because then they had to shut it down. Right. Or, well, I think they, they did. Russell was like, first things first, shut, shut down. That, shut that down, yeah. Because yeah. people were being horrible to yeah. him. I don't blame him. No. Um, yes, unfortunately, you know, as we all know, the, the nerd community can be very welcoming and open and all that thing, but it also has a little dark side which can get pretty ugly pretty quick and so yeah yes you just got a way to filter that but yeah so um so like yeah there was the, the, the interweb uh background then there was sort of uh archive material of the recording session so you got to see some of it live mm-hmm. um which again was fantastic with all of these people who were voicing different characters throughout the show um are then all in one booth sort of moving around and screaming uh-huh. and then they'd cut and tell them to do it to scream a different way and so they'd do that so they could layer them all on top of each other that i found that quite funny and mm-hmm. cool but it's I, mean, I don't know what i always picture with the recording studio but it just seemed like a room where they stuck a microphone in the ceiling it wasn't really very uh oh it, it seemed that way it yeah. seemed boxy to me but yeah. insulated or whatever yeah whatever. But then I also thought it was the the first thing extra we watched was basically James Goss, I believe was his name, was one of the producers uh, for this. And it was, uh, he was very funny, um, the way he he produced this um, documentary. But just talking about uh, all the things leading up to the creation of this, of the Scream of the Shalka, the casting. Um, Oh, let's talk about the casting, darling. Richard E. Grant was the more or less second choice. Who was the first choice to play... (laughs) The new recreated Ninth Doctor. Oh, I shudder to think. <laughs> the first choice, because he'd expressed quite an interest in doing it, um, and then ultimately his schedule didn't work out, the first choice to play the first Ninth Doctor was Robbie Williams. And then if we have any American viewers, want to explain why. I don't even know. How would you... What do you know Robbie Williams from? Uh, I, I mean, I know his reputation. I, I mean, I don't know the man. He, no, but I mean, like... What? He's, a, he's a singer and a bit of a git. That's all I know. Yeah, I mean, I think he settled <laughs> down. He eventually got married and had, had a baby. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know the American perspective mm-hmm. because so much, you know, so much of Robbie Williams, for me, is very British. Mm-hmm. You know, he was sort of in his heyday when I moved over, and then Take That got back together without him, and so then I learned all about Take That, and as a man band, and then as a boy band, and there was a documentary. So, yeah, all of my... So he's a singer, yes. in other words. <laughs> yeah, all my Robbie Williams knowledge is couched in living in Britain, so mm-hmm. I have no idea what the American... Has he done any acting, or does he? Um, I don't know, know that of? he's. Yeah, I, without doing any research, my knee-jerk reaction is no. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, unless you count music videos, but yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Okay, well, that's something for you. To... He did a duet with Kylie. Huh? Well, there you go. Who was also in Doctor Who? So there you go. Yeah, there's the connection. <laughs> um, this was before Kylie's uh, Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. existence but yeah yeah i just thought it was very interesting 
that uh, you know you have these group of because they're all BBC people, but these BBC people who try to get something together. They're all B- Doctor Who fans. It's the fortieth. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we, we're doing nothing. Okay, well let's do something. You know why not? It's fortieth anniversary of Doctor Who. Come on now. And so they like let's you know et cetera et cetera. We finally get on the let's do an animated you know web version. It's crazy. Just might work. You know, they, they like this whole, oh, you can't do it because of the rights. They go through all the research. You get the, you know, no, we can't, we can't do it with the rights. They do all the hard work, and it's like they get all this stuff together. You know, they go through all these shenanigans and producers and publicists quitting, and they get this thing together, and it's halfway through. They're going to get this thing done, and then it's, oh, yeah, by the way, we're bringing back the TV show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is. Not going to be a real big thing then, right? I mean, you know, I mean, they were all happy, of course, that it was coming back to TV, but it's kind of like, you had told us that like a year ago. Yeah. We would have... Yeah, I think it was a bittersweet, but yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm sure it's one of those projects where like, not that they're doing it as a lark, but just doing it as to celebrate Doctor Who, but then the more you get to it, like, oh, maybe this could be a thing. Oh, no, it's not at all ever going to be <laughs> Yeah. 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 After all of that, you know, this idea, it's such a lovely feels grassrootsy you know that this is a movement ladies and gentlemen a movement and bbc's like scratch <laughs> you know how we all didn't care about doctor who and thought it was stupid uh, you've gonna... inspired us <laughs> you're welcome yeah, yeah exactly so, but it sounded like Russell was, <laughs> Russell T. Davies was very lovely when Billy he called. Billy Piper. Yes. <laughs> Your Robbie Williams casting idea yeah. even inspired us. <laughs> We're going with Billy Piper. Yeah, so it, it all seemed like they all had a good humor and, um, you know, and, and, and I think some of their responses were, as far as the finished product, yeah, you know, some things here and there. But they all, you know, it was a labor of love, it seemed like. And so. Yes, and a compromise in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it wasn't what they wanted, but they were still proud of what they'd done. Right. Which I think is the history of Doctor Who. Yeah. Well, they knew who as much. But, you know, Classic Who was sort of like, we did what we could do. And With what worked. we had. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And it was good enough for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I obviously, we won't. Well, I say we won't ever, but obviously we won't ever see more of this Ninth Doctor. Would you have liked to see more? Um, yeah, potentially. Doctor the Allison and Robomaster. Yeah, I would love to, I'd love to know more. I mean, I thought Allison was really interesting. She would have made a really interesting companion, um, extended companion. Not 100% sure about Richard E. Grant's Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of depends on, again, you know, because the very character of this ennui-filled, moody bastard, uh, no. Could they have expanded it and made it more interesting uh, further down the line? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that would have been worth looking out for, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I, I would definitely recommend this to folks, to tell you the truth. Like, I mean, because a lot of things like, oh... They made a cartoon Doctor Who before it came back, you know, whatever. It exists, and so we, we trudge because we're those people and we watch it. But I was like, no, nah, this, this is... Yeah, I would recommend this to a Doctor Who fan. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, any final thoughts about the Ninth Doctor, the first Ninth Doctor? I don't... I haven't decided yet if he's going to be like... Peter Cushing? Yeah, that or... we never mention again. <laughs> I haven't decided yet. So, mm-hmm. jury's still out on that. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Well, with that, we'll go into the TARDIS library. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. When you close your eyes. I go to the library. Go to the library now. So, keeping on Richard E. Grant and his turn of the Ninth Doctor, we thought we'd go into the Richard E. Grant oeuvre. Yes, and we couldn't find anywhere to watch with Nail and I, which right. I'm sad about. Which, I mean, talk about, before we get into this specific one, what is your Richard E. Grant's thoughts and experience? Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I feel like I sort of covered mm-hmm. most of it. He tends to, I don't know a lot. I mean, of course, he was in Doctor Who later um, with the Snowmen and the uh, name of the Doctor. I was trying to think. Um, name of the Doctor mm-hmm. uh, playing the villain. but um, He did release a <laughs> disco version of Hamlet's 
What a Piece of Work is Man. Okay. Disco slash techno version. Uh-huh. So there's that. There's that. Which initially sprung out of With Nail and I. But, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not into a lot of Richard E. Grant. I don't know a whole lot about him, Hamlet being the most obvious. But, yeah, I enjoyed his video where he was very excited about being nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, well, yeah, if folks have a favorite Richard E. Grant um, TV yeah. or movie or whatever, yeah. just let us know. and Maybe we'll include it as a future one. Since or a way to watch with Nail and I. Yeah, which is obviously because he's part of the Richard or Doctor Who family, one way or the other. Absolutely. <laughs> we must embrace. Yeah. So we watched A Royal Scandal, which was released 10 October 1997 as a BBC docudrama TV movie. Um, I really couldn't find a synopsis unless you want to make one on the spot. But. Yeah, no, I think this, I mean, we're going to talk more about it. But yeah, this is a drama about the matrimonial disaster that took place 200 years ago between George, Prince of Wales, and his wife, Carolyn of Brunswick. We should mention that he goes on to be George the Fourth. Yes, spoilers. So yeah, so Richard E. Grant as George the Fourth, or a.k.a. Prince of Wales, as far as this story is concerned for the most part. Uh, Susan Lynch plays Caroline of Brunswick, which I stumbled upon the fact that she's also in Doctor Who. Of course. In fact, in very recent Doctor Who, uh, she played the character Angstrom in the episode The Ghost Monument, which was uh, Jodie Whittaker's second episode as Mm -hmm. the Doctor. So as I was, uh, you know, it's been a couple years since this was on 1997 versus uh, 2018. Uh, So that was interesting. So and then Ian Richardson as the narrator, who we enjoyed. And then I looked him up and finally figured out that's who he is. He's the, I would say the UK, but of course they would say the original, House of Cards. Okay. Yes, he plays Francis Uclart. Oh, I'm probably saying that name wrong. But anyway, it's actually, I do love that House of Cards as well. Um, since I've we're never not, watched either of them. Well, we're not allowed to watch the US one anymore now. That's but, true. Um, but, you know, I, did, I do enjoy the, the original one. I, I don't know. If, if it's your thing, we could watch it one time. Okay. Um, but anyway, so yes, yeah, so let's talk about the uh, TV movie in and of itself and Richard E. Grant. God, this made me sad. Mm-hmm. This was just pitiful. It was really interesting because I'm not sure it was really all that much of a drama. It felt like a docudrama. Mm-hmm. In that... Dark comedy. Well, yes, certainly. <laughs> mm-hmm. But in the the narrator... Right. Move things along. Was the, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you'd get like a 30-second scene, and then the narrator would move us along. Right. And then you'd get a 30-second scene, and the narrator would move you along. Um, so it didn't feel like a show. Right. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and but, it, yeah. Uh, Richard E. Grant has a certain certain performance in this, you know, irritated... Uh, annoyed uh, drunk focused to an end point Um, yes Uh, narcissistic but I don't know it's interesting I I don't want to say I take his side because I certainly don't but she's also not the greatest character ever either no certainly not although I think that her badness was certainly exacerbated by his behavior right so the worst of both worlds. Yes. It was, God, that was depressing. It reminded, I mean, I mean, you know, whatever, the, the history of the monarchy. Very little bit reminded me of Catherine uh, of Aragon with the whole trial and oh, yeah. and this whole status of the queen but not the queen and you got to fight for your right. To party. To queen. Oh, to queen. Yeah, no, 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 you're right. Exactly. Yeah, I can see that. And of course, you know, a little bit Anne of Cleves set her aside as soon as she rocks up kind of thing. Mm. Well, if you have to be smashed to say I do, that's probably not a great sign. Yeah, but I suspect it happened more often than not Mm. with, you know, political marriages. But again, you know, he had married somebody ten years before. That was a secretly thing that and against the law. Secretly and against the law, married her, <laughs> set her aside, was having an affair, married Car- Caroline, uh, continued having the affair after right. the baby was born. They separate. He goes back to his first wife, who lets him, um, and then he sets her aside again. He just yeah. And then there's also quite dreadful. And and the one of the only reasons that he married this woman was. 
for money so he could pay off his creditors because he was really bad with money as well. I mean, he was really good about spending it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bit of a dandy. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's period. Yeah. Uh, and he was also, because it was also shades of the abdication. Mm. The, that former David and yeah. his wife. Uh, the American divorce. Hey, that's not her name, but it's just so easier to say that. But anyway, as far as traveling Wallace the world, Simpson yeah, traveling the name. world, yeah. you know, having parties, enjoying life, and all yeah, that, while in this dubious status of whatever. Indeed, hanging out with Nazis. Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah. although to be fair, George the Fourth, North Carolina, neither of them hung out with Nazis, as far as we know. Yeah, it was sad though. They had a they. He apparently. Knocked her up on their wedding night, kind of thing, and never touched her again. Thought of England. Uh, thought of England. Everybody thought of oh, she might not have. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and then uh, Charlotte was born. Yes, Charlotte was born, and then she died when 19. she was like nineteen. She'd just gotten married, and having a child, and died in childbirth. Yeah, so not great for the Hanoverians on the most part. No, no. After George the Fourth's death, his brother takes over. And then after that... Victoria. Yeah. So, you know, the Georges don't generally do yeah. great. Yeah, and they didn't strike me as a particularly strong genetic line. <laughs> no. So, mixing, mixing things up a little bit with, uh, with Victoria might not have been a bad thing. Right. She seemed... Uh, Quite healthy. <laughs> uh, yes. So And quite fecund. Mm-hmm. I did think it was interesting in the movie, even though it's a it's a TV movie, they keep they control the cast because it's a lot of off screen. In fact, they never show the king, which I think is hilarious. Mm. There, it was because you think like, oh, well, who's playing George the Third? You know, George the Third, pretty big figure. Uh, when he's like, no one is the answer, and so, which I think it's cool. I think it, it makes it almost a little theatery esque. Yeah, but again, there was not a whole lot of action that we right. see. The yeah. narrator tells us the story, mm-hmm. and the the actors illustrate it in places, and then. Yeah, Grant, Grant just looks like he's uh, constipated. I mean, that's the role, I guess, but that's what he looks mm. like the whole time. Um, so it's, But it's a very interesting role to kind of play around with and just be this crazy weirdo person. Mm. But, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Any other final thoughts about a royal scandal with the Ninth Doctor himself? By, <laughs> by all means, look up the story. It's fascinating. Yes, yes. We've, we've watched it on The Prime. <laughs> So, what are we talking about next week, darling? Well, we are going to stick with the Ninth Doctor. Oh, is it still September? Because it's still September. Uh Yep. And we're going to pick out what we think individually. We will not discuss this at any point. You Mm -hmm. know as soon as the microphone's turned off, we go to our separate rooms and don't speak again. Exactly. Pick sort of our favorite slash most notable Ninth Doctor uh, episodes, the pool is shallow. Right. But, much uh, like some certain gene pools. Much like certain gene. I like the way you brought that full circle. Thank mm-hmm. you, darling. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're going to pick out and dissect a little bit of Eccleston. Yeah. Which the, I'm excited about. The, the second Ninth Doctor. The second Ninth Doctor. Who also gets some discussion in Doctor Who circles. <laughs> Doctor the second of Ninth. Who? Duke of Eccleston. <laughs> Duke of Eccleston. <laughs> That's our plan. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks as always to Wally and the Sonnets for providing us with their jazz Doctor Who theme tune. So until next week, enjoy the Doctor's many adventures throughout time, time and space. This is BBC Television.